0: Well, good morning. We're continuing on today to look at Jesus' most famous sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount, and it's from Matthew chapter 5 through 7. We've been looking at that over the last—we uh, began two weeks ago. This is our third week, and so um, these are some of the most crucial teaching points that Jesus ever gave. And so in this sermon, Jesus gave his disciples and really the multitude of people around them um, really a picture for what does life look like in God's kingdom— He's describing life in the kingdom of God and for us when we read this stuff it's very um, much like you're looking at a world that's flipped upside down which is why the graphic shows in your bulletin that is from our perspective things that he describes you know in his world are just very very different it's very unusual and so but the first week we looked at how how Jesus or how Christ's followers are really um, to relate different to people or to be peacemakers. He talked about blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of God. And so we looked at it, what, what it means to really be a peacemaker in, in our world and how to use our lives to clear relationships up, get on the same page with people when things get messed up, um, how to value people as God values them and not to objectify people. And there's a lot of things that we looked at a few weeks ago. Last week we looked at how Christ's followers are Jesus's plan A in as far as how's how's the, the message of Jesus going to spread throughout the whole earth, it's Christ's followers. That's his plan A. He wants to use the church to be salt and light. Together we're to we're to function like salt and light, basically clarifying the message of Jesus and then also attracting or motivating people to want to follow him by looking at our lives. And kinda issued a challenge last week to consider um, the people that are around you, your neighborhood, coworkers, different people that, that you interact with and, and how to be salt and light to them. Um, today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at we're going to look a little further about the kind of relationship that the King wants to have with us. Okay, we've been talking about how this is Jesus describing life in His kingdom, and so we're going to look. He clues us into the type of personal relationship that we get to have and communication that we get to have with Him as the King. He describes what that looks like. Now, kingdoms are shaped by the leader of the kingdom. Whoever has the power in the kingdom, that, that just really shapes the, the future and the livelihood of those that are living in that kingdom. And so basically a brutal tyrant of a king makes for a brutal existence for all the people that live in that kingdom. It would be very difficult to live under a brutal, um, you know, wicked ruler or a king because you deal with that. That will impact your life. On the other hand, a very wise and benevolent, gracious leader is going to be a real blessing to the people that are part of his kingdom. But whenever we mention that Jesus is a king, um, for us as a, if you're an American and if you grew up in this country, then um, it's 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 a little difficult to think of Jesus as a king because this is a concept that we're not quite as familiar with. We don't have you know kings and kingdoms, and so this is in some in some way it kind of pushes the language out to something that's not our reality. And sometimes when that happens, we just we think, oh, that's really interesting, but it, it doesn't bear any. Imp- You know, impact on my life, and so we're going to try to um, bridge the gap of of the idea of Jesus being our King. Um, Now, Babe Ruth, I have a a example here of relating to the King. Babe Ruth, here's a photo of him meeting royalty. He was meeting here the cousin of the King of England, and I later found out he was going to be able to meet the King of England himself. And so, um, the Babe, um, you know, look at his expression there. He looks very um, focused and um, intent on this encounter. But he's, you know, raised, born in Baltimore, played baseball on the East Coast, you know, and, uh, you know, etiquette, I'm assuming, was not a high point in his life. So proper court etiquette, uh, not a huge high point. And so there needed to be this training given for Babe Ruth to meet the, the King of England. And so. He had all this coaching, all this etiquette training on. Here's how you address the king. Here's how you interact with the king. And when the fi- you know, when the time finally came, the moment came for him to actually meet the king of England. He just said, "Hi, King," <laughs> and that, that was it. You know, all the etiquette and coaching. He just there's this gap of understanding. How do I relate to a king? Because we're you know, in this country, it's just a very different understanding. Uh, I cracked up watching a clip of, of Mr. Bean. I don't know if you've seen Mr. Bean. And the, the scene of him, here's the next, uh, this is actually um, the, the actor there um, that's meeting the Queen of England. But in a sketch that he does, it's called Mr. Bean Meets Royalty. You can watch it on YouTube. It just shows him preparing to meet the Queen. And, uh, you know, you can imagine he does it with all his um, interesting uh, body language and everything that he does, very unique to himself. But, you know, he's like spit-shining his shoes while they're on. And he's... <laughs> he's doing this, and he's and then he's watching everyone around him trying to figure out how am I supposed to interact? Do I, do I bow? Do I stand a certain way? Um, because the big issue is how do, how do you really meet and prep to relate to royalty? And that's really what we're going to look at this morning. How do you interact with royalty? Jesus, in this sermon, he's really teaching people how to relate and how to talk to God as a loving father, as a caring and benevolent king. And so we're going to really uh, read through three sections of the Sermon on the Mount that deal with prayer. And here's what he taught. He taught Jesus taught that citizens in God's kingdom really have direct access to the king. In most kingdoms, you only get direct access to the king or the queen if you're really important, if you really, really matter. If you're a VIP on the list, then you might get direct access. If you've done something really important, then you, know, you might um, get that opportunity. But in God's kingdom... What we find out is that all those who follow the king, all those who serve the king, have this same access. We have direct access to the king. And so look at what Jesus says. When we pray, Jesus taught us a few things. One is he taught us to get rid of all pride and pretense. Matthew 6, verses 5 through 8. Let's look at this. He, he's going he's to compare two approaches to prayer. So when we pray, he says this. And when you pray, do not, you must not be like the hypocrites. Yeah, the hypocrites was these people who pretended. There was this religious group of people who were pretenders. They were hypocritical. They had kind of two ways of living. So he said, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they loved to stand. They love to pray in the synagogue. That was the religious gathering place. They loved to pray in the street corners that they may be seen by others. They wanted to appear religious before people. Jesus says, truly I say to you, they have received their reward. You know, They're getting that praise or that, wow, other people get to... Um, be impressed by their lives. Jesus says this, verse 6, But when you pray, or truly I say to you, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Very, very interesting. Do we have the next two verses up there as well? Verse 7. It says, And when you pray, don't just heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So Jesus essentially says, look, prayer is not a show. Our audience is God. This is to Him. We're, we're communicating with Him. This is the conversation that we're having with Him. We don't have to prove anything because He already knows what we need. And then He also says prayer is very personal. You see, He's talking about how it's, it's this personal thing where I get away and I close the door and He doesn't put a time limit on it. He allows this, this idea of going into my room, shutting the door, Spending time with God, it allows me to really pause and to just wait and to listen to God. I'm not in a hurry when i'm doing this. And prayer is personal. we don't have to have a special God language like you don't have to flip into a religious language when you're talking to God in prayer. A good friend of mine who's gone on um, who who went on to be with the Lord, he used to say that he was intimidated to pray. He would say i just I feel awkward about praying because I hear other people praying." And he sounds so spiritual, and I just don't feel that spiritual. And so he would, and when he'd pray, he would try to pray really spiritual prayers. And, and he would just, and, uh, but we don't need to change our language. We just talk to God. He, he actually just wants you to talk to him. He wants you. He wants you to be genuine. He wants you to be honest. We don't have to wonder if he hears us. Jesus reminds, hey, he's listening. He sees what you do in secret. He's, he's responding. He's listening. He's taking this in. God is listening just as a father hears the concerns of their children. He may be the king, but but we're a part of his royal family is what Jesus is saying here. We're royalty. Second thing here is this. Jesus taught us to follow this pattern for an effective prayer life. He lays out the the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer. You may know this as um, the Lord's Prayer or our Father. Now, I want you to read through this. This is Matthew 6, verses 9 through 15. Jesus is not saying, learn this, memorize it, and recite it word for word he's saying this actually pray in this way pray with these in this using this plan this is this is the model this is a guide so let's look at what he says verse 9 pray then like this jesus says pray then like this our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. He actually goes on two more verses. Then he says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, the trespass is someone sins against you, someone offends you, sins against you. For if you forgive others when they do that, when they trespass, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But, <laughs> this is a big but, but if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So he's really urging for keeping things clear, clearing things up. Uh, can you imagine the disciples they're learning, you know, this, you know, they're learning this, oh, so that's how you pray. Cuz I've been seeing everyone pray on the street corners, I've been seeing these real religious people and they do it this way and Jesus just clarifies, here's how you pray. Here's how you approach the father. What helpful instruction that he gives us. And here's this really a helpful guide. If you look at the model prayer, it's really a guide for prayer. And you can use this. You don't have to use it exactly, but I want to break it down with some sections. And you might be able to use this to kind of track with the major aspects of Jesus's teaching in your own prayer life. So you can see Jesus. He tells us to start with praise. That's the first part of the model prayer. Right. He's our father who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. He begins by praising God for who he is. Hallowed is a word that just means sacred. Or the word can mean made holy. Or something that has been made holy. So God is, he is holy. He's perfect. He's set apart. And so Jesus says, look, when you pray, start here. Start by declaring God's greatness in your prayer. Start there. Whenever we start with us, Whenever I start with me, then I quickly get into a rut and I bog down in my prayer life. <laughs> and so he says, look, don't start with you. Start with God. Start with praising God and thanking him for who he is. Don't and don't rush this part, you know. When you when you go in and you close your door, or when you block out all distractions, you sit in a quiet place to, to pray and connect with God. Pause long enough to really recognize who God is. Pause long enough to, to think and allow some time for your thoughts to to really reflect on all that you know about God and then declare that back to God. God, you are this. God, you are that. We sing songs that declare his praise and that he's praiseworthy. We have all sorts of things we can give thanks for. But Jesus says, look, don't start with you. Start with God. Declare his praise first. Second, then he says, really focus on cooperation. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Verse 10. Prayer is not primarily about Me trying to twist God's arm to get him to do what I want him to do. It's really about, this is a way that I get to discover what God really wants in life. Your kingdom come, your will be done as I'm praying. God's kingdom does not fit into our agenda. So what we do is we set our will to really accomplish God's agenda. And, you know, a lot of us are very, very focused on our own kingdom and building our own kingdom. Um, Especially in our early years, we're pretty set on, Building a career, studying, getting the degree, getting the right job. We're we're focused on building a kingdom. You know, building my family. Well, I'll just say our kingdom. We're pretty focused on this the steps we need to take to secure and build, to make a legacy, make sure people know who we were. Um, God's, you know, Jesus is saying, look, pray that God's kingdom would be coming before your kingdom, place his kingdom ahead. Before we ever get to our agenda, really, this is what when we say to God, it's your will before my will, your kingdom before my kingdom. It's your agenda for my family before my agenda for my family. It's your agenda for my business, for my career, God. It's your agenda for my future. It's your agenda for my money. It's for my ministry. It's your will before my will and agenda in all of those areas, God. This is a time for us to set our heart to say, God, I want what you want. I'm fully surrendered to do your will for my life. I have my thoughts and plans, God. But before all that, I'm just saying this is all about you. It's about you working out your plans. Whenever we do this, this is the point in which things get very real with God. And when we can pray this kind of prayer and really leave it there, real growth begins to happen. Because oftentimes what happens, we pray that prayer but then we pick up our will and our kingdom and we thrust those to the primary, you know, the priority spot in our life. But when we're able to just pray, God, your will and your kingdom, and we leave it there, real growth can begin to occur. Because now we're shifting the focus of our lives. We're building it around his kingdom rather than asking God, well, here's the life that I've got, God. Here's the life I've built. And I'm, I'm happy to invite you in to my life so you can take this, this place. This is this, Jesus is flipping this all around in the way we communicate with him. Next, he says, we make our petition. You know, we, we have requests. This is where we start asking God for things. Give us this day our daily bread. We are so dependent on God for all of our needs, every single one of us. For the Jewish person who probably you know, who heard this, no doubt this would stir up images of their ancestors who God had provided for miraculously in the desert when they were hungry. God had provided what was called manna in the desert. This bread from heaven came every day. and they learned really to just depend on God each day. They you know all of us we like to plan ahead. God provided what they could have for that day and that was it. If they tried to store it up, you know what happened? It would rot. And so God put this in them in this place of real dependency. God, I'm just trusting you every single day. So whether you're in that position where you have enough food only for today and you're really not sure how tomorrow, And where that food is going to come from, or people are coming over your house because you got a lot of food. And people are like, Hey, I wonder what you guys are eating for dinner. Because they know you got a lot of food. Wherever you're at in the in the spectrum of resources at this point, Jesus reminds us that we're totally dependent on him. Even if you have a lot of resources and people are there needing some assistance from you, all that you have has come from him. You still are in a place of dependence. Jesus is reminding us that, of that. He cares for us, but we need to tell Him what we really need. So, what are you concerned with in your life? So often our concerns, everyone else knows the concerns, but we've not brought it to God. We talk about what's bothering us. We talk about what we need. And we fail to talk to God about the real requests, the real concerns. On Tuesday of this past week, I was able to just sit and connect with a, with a guy in our congregation who... Is going through a really difficult time. And his concern on Tuesday was his daily bread. He didn't know really how he was going to put food on the table for himself. And he's really trying to struggle through the issue of, I know that in life I need to bear, I need to bear responsibility in life. And it's, it's, he, he was wrestling with, I'm really trying to figure out how to bear responsibility and just be independent and take care of myself he says, but I'm at a really tough spot right now. I'm really just like praying and asking God to provide. Because I don't know, because I have very little right now. And I have some hopes of, well, I know I'm going to get this paycheck, but I, I don't know how I'm going to get there. And this is the constant for him between paychecks, he says. And so we were able to just pray together and just, you know, ask God um, to provide. And, you know, he he's, was at a point where he's like, I really want to see God come through. I really want to see what God does. And he, you know, it was interesting. He said, you know, I missed out on the train ride to the beach because I didn't have the money to go. The train ride was $10. I didn't have the money to go. It wouldn't have been really responsible for me to to do that with what I needed to do. And I was like, man, you should have let you should have let someone know. Like, we would have loved to have you go with us. And um, I was encouraged. So that was Tuesday. We prayed together. And on Thursday, he sends me a text. He says, praise God. He's like, I got $800 today. He said... Five years ago, I loaned this guy $2,000. A friend of mine needed money to go to school, and he loaned him $2,000. How many of you would loan me $2,000 to go work on another degree? You know, He did this for a friend, and the friend doesn't pay him back. It's been five years, and it's like, I haven't heard from my friend. There's no response. He's like, I'd pretty much written that money off. And then this guy on Thursday gets in touch with him. And, and says, "Send you he gets 800 dollars, get 800 dollars wired to him and then like a, basically like I'm, I'm repaying my debt, I'm beginning to repay my debt. you know he he asked God, he sought God on this issue he's been praying God's been building his faith. God wants us to de- really declare, God we, we just we're in a place of dependence. If we leave this out, we miss something very critical. Then he says, don't forget about forgiveness. Forgiveness is verse 12. You know, forgive us, our debtors. Forgive those who have trespassed against us, as we also have been forgiven. The idea here is we have been forgiven a great debt against God. We've sinned against God. We've blown past God's boundaries. And God's forgiven us. He's saying, look, you can't hold offense and bitterness towards a brother. You've experienced great forgiveness. And now extend that to people. Peacemaking is always happening in, in his kingdom is what he's He's saying, forgiveness, anytime we do this, it unclogs the pipeline to, to peace with God. Because oftentimes when we, when we get crossways with someone and we, we get bitter and we fail to clear it up, our connection to God gets kinked. There's like a, it's like there's a pipe that is, is actually kinked. And so the flow is not happening between us and God. And so deal with forgiveness. Finally, we should ask God for protection. Verse 13, deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. See, we can never drift away from asking God for help. When it comes to temptation, you and I are always one decision or maybe two decisions away from a horrible, horrible decision that could set the course of all sorts of pain and devastation for our families, for our future, for the things that we'd hope for. We're just a couple of decisions away from that through temptation and through the evil that really, that, that, that oftentimes just feels like a pull on our lives. And so Jesus says, look, do not forget to pray for protection for yourself against these areas. In the next chapter then, that's chapter 6. Okay, Those are his sections in chapter 6. When you flip to the next chapter, he deals with prayer again. He gives us some more insight into prayer. And he talks about how uh, constant prayer actually builds a relationship with God. We get to learn more about him. In fact, the king's response, whenever we pray to the king, his response to our request is very instructive. We, we learn some things. He's teaching us things about himself through his responding to us. All of a sudden we see, wow, he said no to that. And he didn't answer that prayer. And then we learn something about God. He said yes to that. Wow, we learned something about God. He confirms some things based on promises and other things. Oh, he's saying no to this. So all along the way, you're just being instructed when we pray. Now look at Matthew 7, verse 7 through 11. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock. And the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. To him who knocks, the door will be open. Now these seem very um, like, like promises, don't they? will be given. You will find. Whoever seeks, you know, knock on the door, it's going to be opened. These are promises. Which of you, he says, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Let's take a look. Look at this passage. Okay, The way that this passage is written, it's like keep on asking, keep on knocking, keep on seeking, just keep on. Keep on with that. We need to be bold. We need to be persistent in our prayer. And he's inviting us to persist in that because he cares enough to hear us. He's it's never an interruption when it comes to God. Someone may come up to your office or your place of work, and you're, you're focused on the task. You've got a report to be done. You're dealing with something, and then there's a knock at your door. And you're like, you're on a deadline. You need to get something done by 10 o'clock. And, and you're like, oh, this is going to mess me up. And they come in, and they have, a, they have a, you know, a question, and they're taking a long time to spit it out. And you're just like, i got to get this done. Or maybe you're in a meeting, or again, you're focused on something really important, and the cell phone starts ringing, and you're like, oh, man. And you really can't stop what you're doing to address the call at that point. Um, But the fact is, there are people in all of our lives who almost can always get through. When we see their number, or when we see the second time they call, we're like, okay, this is probably really, really critical. I need to pick up this call. But God, he's not limited. He's not like, well, I'm going to send this through to somebody else to handle it. I'm going to send an angel. I'm going to send this guy. I'm going to clue in the the, the group leader of that church to deal with that. Um, he, He is never too busy to listen. He never hits a point of max capacity on requests. Like, oh, I'm all full up on prayers from yesterday, so come back tomorrow. No, he describes in this passage, Jesus describes a situation in which all of the listeners would be familiar with. He says, think about a child coming to his father with a request. He says, if a child asks his dad for something wholesome to eat, will he receive something that's harmful? Of course not. What dad would do that? You know, some dads, you know, the pranksters, um, you know, what dad, he says, when his his young child asks for food, what dad would give him poison or what dad would give him a a rattlesnake? You know, there are probably some dads that would grab like a a toy snake, you know, and, and do that out of fun. But Jesus is just making this point. Here's his point, though. Parents are not perfect, but they still love their children. They still know how to good give give good gifts. Something else is true. You know, if a child ever asked for a pet rattlesnake, do you give it to him? What father is going to give his son something harmful that he's asking for? You know, when God says no to our request, we need to trust that must be a good thing to not get that. God must know something here that I don't know. Maybe it will be in the future or maybe never. Maybe the answer is no, you're never going to get this, but we keep making our requests without demands. We know God is good. He knows what I need. Now, some of the things that, you know, my kids want, I'm not going to give them to them because they don't really need that. That wouldn't be good for them to have that right now. Sometimes never. You know, sometimes for me, you know, I'll pray prayers and the answer is no. Many of the prayers I prayed at the answer have been no. Or I'm assuming not yet, so I'll keep praying. Sometimes it's like, God, would you please take this sickness away from my my son? He has this thing that plagues him. Would you please just get rid of this? Would you take this away? He's it's a you know, there's these scary situations that come up and you're like, Man, I don't want him to live this way his whole life with dealing with these these types of issues. Or some of you have headaches. I'll pray for people. And, you know, my wife has headaches. And others, you know, there's these things that you're like, man, I just want, to, want them to go. And so we'll pray for these things. And sometimes the answer is no. And you're like, man, God, why is that? Now, God's ability to work and act in response to our prayers is unlimited. He can do whatever he wants. He has um, complete power over health, over resources. He has unlimited resources. He can provide. So when I come to him, I keep in mind, he actually can do what I'm asking of Him, um, it's not like when I approach God, I'm approaching a boss or a parent or a friend. He's very, very different. In my mind, um, I have the, in my mind the image of when I approach a king that I that you know that I might have great concern over my life. Now, this is you can't really see this; it's not the greatest photo. But there's this lady. This is from a movie called Esther, and she's approaching the king. And there's this statues of these lions, and there's guards and. You know, if I just rush, if I'm just a peasant and I rush into the presence of the king, unannounced, I may not live another day. Take a look at this next photo or uh, painting. You see the king's up on the throne, and this guy's on the ground asking for something. He's pleading for something. Well, well, the the king has he has a a, a lion there. You either assume, okay, he must be a cat lover. You know. No. Those are guards near him, and the lion is there because you just rush. You don't just rush into the king's presence, you know. And the lion is there to take care of anyone that really crosses the line. Sometimes we have this image with God: I can't approach God; He's just too powerful; He's too mighty. What would He? What, what would He care about my little life? And so the picture, though, that Jesus paints for us is more like this next picture. Now you don't have to picture yourself like the daughter of the king here, okay? Or the daughter of the English king or or this royal king. What I like about this picture is it's a more accurate picture of what Jesus is painting. You know, when the king is doing business and, and there's all this order and people coming in and very concerned about how they relate to the king, the one person who can come and get his attention is the one who can sneak from behind the curtain and tug on her daddy's pant leg. Oh, what do you need? All of a sudden, here's this father to a daughter. And that gives us a picture about when we approach God. This gentle, loving, kind, benevolent father who is all-powerful, has unlimited resources, yet he's good, he's loving. We can trust him not to deceive us, not to play a game with us when we bring requests to him. He's not going to do something cruel to us. He's not going to ignore us either. Instead, he's listening. He's responding. And you might be wondering, okay, this seems a little too good to be true. I just go and I ask God for what I want and then I get it. You know, he says, knock. And the door's always open. He says, seek, and I'm always going to get what I am That's great. It almost sounds like God's my genie, and I'm ready to go, man. Send us out of here so I can start working on this thing. What we do is we interpret chapter 7 through chapter 6. So when you read chapter 6, it helps you understand why in chapter 7 he says what he says about persistent and bold prayer. Because in chapter 6, what we looked at is whenever we come to him, we need to get rid of pride and pretense. We need to be honest with him. Also, in verses 9 through 15 of chapter 6 in the Lord's Prayer, he's given us his guide on how to pray. And so what do we do? We start with him. We start with God, not us. We say, it's your will before mine, your kingdom before my kingdom. With all of that in place, then that guide really directs the focus of our prayers. All of a sudden, our prayer requests become very, very different when we keep in mind all of what Jesus has told us about life in his kingdom and relating to the king in his kingdom. Because our prayers are guided. So Christ's followers make his goals, and make his concerns really their number one priority. All of a sudden, Jesus' followers, what's on their mind, what they're bringing to God is very, very different over time. Before I knew Christ personally, and you might be able to relate to me on this, the requests that I brought to God, my concerns, my prayers were quite selfish and oftentimes pretty arrogant. So my prayers were more like, oh God, please give me what I want really want that truck. I'm sixteen. Everybody else is doing this. Everybody's got one. God, would you please give me a truck? You know? Or God, if I ask her out, please make her say yes. I would play this game. God, if I make this basket, I'm gonna ask her out. So if you if you want you know if you want that to happen, you know, okay God, two out of three. <laughs> and for me it was oftentimes multiple shots but even as adults god if i if i go in there and i say you know if they say to me they're offering 1.9% financing over 72 months god would you please that's a sign would you please approve my loan would you please approve my credit i know it's looking bad but god and we go through the prayers of again very our concerns our will our agenda our kingdom so jesus is saying look this this gives some balance to the way that My followers pray, he's saying. After we commit our lives to Christ, all of a sudden we ask him to be the boss of our life. Over time, my concerns begin to shift to his will, his kingdom, kingdom priorities. Life is being built around his kingdom rather than me trying to get him to build and slot his ways into my life. It's okay to have concerns. It's okay that we have requests and needs. There are things we need. It's okay. But now we can make requests knowing that his will and his purpose will prevail. See, God's going to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. It's okay to ask him, but he's not our own personal genie. And if the answer is, is, is no, it's him saying, it's not good right now from my perspective. Many times it's just, it's not good right now for, for me to give that to you. And sometimes you're like, well, why, God, I'm in pain. Why, God, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with this. Why wouldn't you want this right now? And him granting that request right then may not accomplish his purpose for your life. In fact, in some of our requests, those things, if he were to grant, that would actually possibly run in competition or opposition to his kingdom and his will. And he knows some things that we don't know in our requests. But if you learn to develop this kind of faith when you approach him and learn to even accept his responses, um, then you won't falter in your walk with him. But if you'll never learn, wow, God, you've not given this to me, therefore you must not care about me, you're going to falter in your walk with God. And you're going to think you're going to begin to build an idea of a God that's not real, that's not been revealed through the Bible. And so what we've been doing this morning is primarily looking at personal prayer, like the guidance that God gives, that Jesus gave on personal prayer for ourselves and for our lives. In the rest of the New Testament, you find instructions from uh, early church writers on, how we need to be praying for those in authority, how we need to be praying for those who are sick, who need healing. We're to pray for those that are serving and sharing the message of Jesus, and we're, we're to be praying for ourselves as we share him with others. We're to be praying for those who are suffering for their faith. All around the world, there are people suffering. The news, you turn on the news and you can't help but see. Um, you know, The Christians have been suffering for centuries, but you know, more and more the media picks up. Once in a while you're like, wow, thankfully someone's reporting on Christians that are being persecuted around the world. Christians suffering in Iraq. There's a, there's a, uh, there was a four-minute clip on Fox News with Samaritan's Purse and Franklin Graham. You know, there's all sorts of things to be praying for. And so there's a lot more that we could say about prayer. Uh, but I really hope this has been helpful to you on a personal front, just knowing how to focus your prayer life and how to, how to view who you are approaching, who you're relating to, who you're, who's responding to you, who's listening. I want to invite our worship team to come back up to the stage here and prepare to um, lead us in, in another song and then also ask our ushers to uh, prepare to receive this morning's tithes and offering. Um, here's a few next steps. These are on the back of your connection card. They're also on the back of your listening guide. Um, you may have something that God has already been saying to you that you feel like, I know what I need to do in response to today's message. So take whatever it is that you're getting from God on that. Here's a few suggestions one would be memorize Matthew 7, 7. Then second one would be making a list of concerns that you can pray for consistently. It's beginning to develop a prayer list, praying faithfully for those things, being persistent in prayer. Uh, third, pray for the opportunity to invite someone to join you. Um, in a moment, we'll be receiving um, our tithes and offerings. And if you came prepared to give in service, you can certainly give by using one of our offering envelopes. Um, there's some other giving options you can use. Um, outside of service if you'd like to support the congregation and just us as we do ministry as a church Um, I want to thank you for those of you who have been faithful to give one of the ways that we support um, one of the ways that your giving helps is we support international missions and we're able to support people from our congregation and also just congregations around the world who are doing uh, mission work and one of our um, girls who, one of the ladies a member of our church who is overseas in South Asia. She's a part of what's called the Journeyman Project. And she is serving in South Asia. And um, while she was there, her name is Chelsea Wilson, her father was in a very, very serious car accident. And she wanted to be able to get home to just spend time with her parents. And um, so the need was kind of expressed to some people who knew Chelsea in our congregation. And many, many people gave and uh, practically covered the cost of her flight to get you know, really rapidly from where she was to be able to be with her family for a few days Um, because her father, when he was, it was a motorcycle accident. It looked like he was, it was, could have been fatal initially and then um, paralyzed. And he's a pastor. This is a picture of her with her dad. And um, so you see the, he's beginning to recover. He's pointing to Jesus there. And he's just, he's a pastor in Visalia. And uh, Chelsea was just really encouraged to be able to get home. She wanted to thank many of you who gave specifically to help her do that. And he's recovering. The good news, they didn't think it wasn't really, they weren't sure initially if he would recover. But he's, the report is that he should have a full recovery. At first it didn't look like there would be much. And so he is recovering from all of that. And so thank you to those of you who gave. let um, Let's pray. Close. Lord God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your presence here with us. We thank you for your power as at work in the world. For your hand that just is guiding and protecting and even restraining evil. Lord, we thank you for all the things that that we know about you, that we've learned about you, that we've um that we in faith we trust, and we just give you praise for who you are. Lord, would you accomplish your will bring your kingdom to this earth. Work out your will on this earth and in our lives. May it be before ours. Do your will in our lives before our will, Lord. There's some things, God, going on in our lives, some concerns and requests that we have right now that you know. Lord, I pray we'd be faithful to bring them to you and I pray that as we do that, we would be learning about you. We'd be learning about your values and your perspective through your answers. Lord, help us to Understand the way that this relationship really is with you. Help us to approach you, God, faithfully. Thank you for this offering, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to give back to you, Lord, and to support things and people, Lord, who are doing your work here and around the world. So, Lord, it is a privilege. Lord, we thank you for Chelsea and her dad, Mark, who's recovering. Pray that you would restore him to full health, Lord, to be able to continue on in the ministry that you have him doing up in the northern part of our state. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.